Oh boy. Jeez. Oh, that uh mm, yeah. Week one loss, Colts. Seventh straight season, third twenty-seven twenty, I think was the final. Yeah. Didn't cover. Sorry, Chris. I'm sorry to anyone who followed my lead and, and took that bet. And it looked promising early on. It really did. Boy, it did. Uh, what a great start for the Colts uh, in that game. And a lot that I actually really liked about the first quarter. And we'll obviously hit on that. I'm Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Although it does feel good to evaluate real football, talk about real football. Mm-hmm. It was awesome waking up Sunday morning and having a little bit of a Christmas morning feel. But, um, man, that was uh, that was really disappointing. Really, really disappointing. To see that type of performance, like you said, after the start. I thought if he got off to a good start, it'd be game over. Yeah. Like, I thought it was step on the throat and, you know, Jacoby plays more than one snap of getting sacked, which we will touch on as well. So, yeah, man, it was uh, not enough from your star players. No. You know, Hilton, the couple drops there. We'll talk about the Rivers interceptions. Buckner and Leonard, just way too quiet for my liking either. And, um, you know, you're going to talk a lot in the offseason. You're going to, you know, preach accountability and friction and this and that. And, you know, you don't deliver week one. Uh, that's that's really, really frustrating. I, I, you know, I'll get into it. I'll make grand, you know, re-shifting of my thinking on 10 and 6, you know, 6 and 10, right. whatever. But that was terrible. It was. And as fans, you know, there, there's times, especially if people follow me on Twitter, I can fall down that trap of, Oh my gosh, the season's ending, everything implode, destroy it all. But you do have to take a step back afterwards and realize it's week one. We've been here before, as you said, it's seven straight years. Um, but there are pros and cons to every game. And let's just go ahead and get the cons out of the way, Kev. What what didn't you like about yesterday's performances? Yeah, you know, per usual, we'll um, we'll get into what I didn't like, what I liked after each uh, win or loss. We'll start with what I didn't like. Um, I, I got to start with this pass defense. You know, I went back and woke up this morning, and we're taping this kind of late on Monday morning, and started to rewatch the game before the morning show. And I get to about two thirty of the first quarter, and Kenny Moore has that pass breakup, and I'm like, "Holy shit, that's the last incompletion I'm going to see all game from Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew." Two minutes go in the first quarter. I mean. You go 19 to 20, that's hard to do in walkthrough. That's right. hard to do in the backyard, yeah. like literally standing 20 yards apart and just throwing the ball 20 times. It's um, it, it's maddening to watch this team play pass defense, to be honest with you. And uh, I would say, listeners of this podcast, if there's one theme, if they're like, what's the one constant you always hear from Kevin about, you know, team, player, whatever – my issues with this defensive scheme is probably atop that list. I would guess that people resonate most of hearing that point. And, um, yeah, it's it's it hasn't changed. Yeah, It's uh, the most frustrating aspect I think I have of this football team. I would say what really stood out about yesterday was the amount of times I saw Xavier Rhodes, who looked like Antonio Cromartie, honestly, yesterday, um, Rocky Scene, Maybe even some of those safeties, a big completion would happen, and they'd throw up their hands like, "Wait, wait, no, you were supposed to have them. No, no, I was supposed to have." Mm-hmm. Yeah. The amount of miscommunication, because that's the aspect of this pass defense that is supposed to be the constant. This is supposed to be a simple scheme. Simple. Everyone's on the same page. We're gonna play fast. We're all gonna be mental. You know, whatever. 
restrictions, you know, kind of shackles. No, that's not on this sort of scheme. It's everyone knows what they're doing, and it's not going to change much week to week. And to see the amount of times that that kept on reappearing yesterday, that is like, oh, boy. If you're not there, you're never going to be – I mean, I don't think you're going to be a good pass defense anyways when you continue to play this scheme. And the free releases – the lack of blurred vision Gardner Minshew has to look through to complete passes. Even the one in completion, that hits LaVisca Chenault in the hands yeah. initially. It was a great play by Moore to break that up. But I, I talked all offseason long, Chris, about disrupting timing. That is what you have to do from a pass defense standpoint. And there's two kind of basic ways. Obviously, you do it from a line of scrimmage standpoint. You control that better. DeForest Buckner gets into passing lanes. You create more pressure on a quarterback. And then secondly, you do it from a coverage standpoint. Stickier, man, press man. Um, you know, have a defender underneath the intended target. That meant you has to throw through, throw around, throw over, whatever. Dude, I didn't see any of that. And it was... Um, 19 of freaking 20. I know, but you nailed it last week. I know a lot of our listeners can't listen to a lot of our local radio shows because we do have such a wide footprint, and we appreciate that. But I believe you were on with JMV last weekend where you said, John, if you look at Gardner last last year, they got him early passes, get him, get him some confidence, and then he ran away with it. And the same thing pretty much happened yesterday. The exact same thing. Yep. Turn, change the calendar. Uh, same thing. It, it's And use whatever sports analogy that you want. You know, I make a six-footer for par in the first hole. That gives me a little jolt. Mm -hmm. Kobe's in a slump. He gets to the foul line with an early, you know, a a fast-break layup. Joey Votto's in a slump. He reaches on an air, and boom, now that confidence is back. You give a guy like Minshew or whatever, insert your quarterback here. Easy throws, quick rhythm throws. Now the ball placement just has a little bit more confidence. I mean, he placed the ball. Two throws stand out to me. He had an out to Cole on a third and five that right on the sideline, perfect six-yard gain, seven-yard gain. Rhodes was trailing in coverage, complete, just beautiful ball placement. And then the Chenault touchdown mm-hmm. with, with Hooker in coverage. I mean, did Hooker have great coverage? No. But that ball, LaVisca Chenault did not have to break stride at all, catches it over the middle of the field, goes in the end zone. It's just you give these quarterbacks hope. You give these offenses, these passing units, that you don't dictate enough. And, and this gets into a bigger picture that I know a lot of Twitter questions on it, so I guess I'll just move on. But um, it goes back to the communication of watching them look confused. I'm like, holy! If they're, not, I mean, if they're not on the same page, it's already a vanilla enough defense. Mm-hmm. You don't have a chance. I didn't like to run defense early. It got a little better, but that was over six yards a pop for that Robinson game. I, I didn't think they set the edge. And I'm thinking, uh, boy, Jabal shoot, you know, that's that, that's just kind of his thing. So um, I thought it was a really disappointing defensive performance. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know the yardage wasn't great maybe for Jacksonville, but still, against that unit, I expect a lot better. Your second one on this list, and back to talking about that jolt. You know, the Colts get down there. They're up 7-0, chance to go maybe 10-0, possibly 14-0. Another time in the second half where we had a chance to, to put some more points on the board and to kind of pull away from Jacksonville, and we just didn't make that happen. Finishing drives. Would you out-yard them by 200? I want to say it was. Um, a couple plays stand out to me, Chris. Fourth and one, that play. 
I tweeted out the video. Naeem Hines on that play, it's one read. And that one read is follow Quentin Nelson and mm-hmm. Ryan Kelly. And your studs can't block, you know, some linebackers, some, you know, pretty much backup defensive linemen. That's who Jacksonville has in the interior of that unit. You know, a lot of people are like, well, there's a hole to the right. Again, that's fourth and one out of the shotgun. It is just put Go. your head down, follow the, your number six overall pick and your 18th overall pick and move the chains. Uh, missed opportunity there, certainly. Obviously, the blank and chip missed field goal. I tried to stress this last week. I know Blankenship is this fun character, great, you know, story, all of that. Beloved Georgia Bulldog, decorated college resume as a collegiate kicker. It's different, folks. In the NFL, it's different. Every single kick carries so much pressure, especially when you play with fire. And the Colts played with a lot of fire yesterday. And I don't know if he thought he had to make that 30-yarder from 70, but, I mean, he boomed it. He did. And just smokes the upright from the right hash, smokes the left upright. Uh, huge. huge. I thought there were opportunities in that game to step on their throat early, which I expected them to do. I mean, when you reference the, the, the fourth and one drive, that's a chance to go up 14 nothing, And you get stuffed. I think your defense gets a stop. I think Autry had a sack on the next uh, series. And then Rivers throws the pick. Mm-hmm. It, those two plays, the fourth and one and the Rivers pick, life, jolt, energy to a team that needs it. Um, Rivers, after the game, really, really was lamenting. So, you know, the fourth and one play. The third down play there was a draw to Hines. The second down play there was a completion to Pascal. I think it got you from like second and 10 to, I don't know, third and four, third and three, something like that. Rivers felt like he missed Doyle there over the middle for a touchdown. I tweeted out the video last night as well, so for those that missed it, scroll through the timeline. But, yeah, I thought situationally there was there was a lot not to like about Rivers. There was a lot to like, mm-hmm. and we will get into that. But the missed opportunities in the red zone, some of that falls on your quarterback. It, it does. When you lead this unit, um, you got to have better success down there. And I think Rivers knows that, like, we saw it yesterday. His arm can't cash every check. Right. You know, he's got to be great in the mind. He can't make those mental errors. When you miss Doyle, boy, that's that's just one that you circle in the old playbook and come back and, you know, see it afterwards and like, damn, that was a missed opportunity there. Um, and those are ones you hope Eason's watching too. And I'm sure no, Phil will show. Yeah, I mean, that's that definitely stuff that I think he's got to – He's got a. That's probably his biggest, you know, issue as well is kind of processing things, know where the right read is, you know, progressing quickly through your reads. And Rivers did a lot of that very well yesterday, but in the red zone, um, this team had an ability, I thought, to make Jacksonville play from behind, get a fourteen nothing lead, something like that. And when you give them a turnover, you know, turnover on downs, that's what fourth and one is. That I thought that was a big momentum swing early on to kind of feel like Jacksonville. All right, we're in this. You know, that no-huddle drive that started the game, and you know, I don't know if the Colts even had a third down in that first series, maybe one. Uh, that that kind of bowling ball rolling downhill, they were able to stop that. And clearly the one, a, a big storyline, Marlon Mack's injury, devastating, especially how well he was playing early on in that game. You feel just awful for him. Uh, yeah, we're taping this, you know, early in the morning, and 
Um, you know, the expectation is torn Achilles and, and out for the season. It just sucks. You know, you really feel like Marlon Mack has handled this Jonathan Taylor situation really, really yep. well. Um, you're right, Chris. I mean, he gave you right here six and a half per carry to start the game. I mean, Taylor's 2.4 for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Matt gives you something. I Now, you know, I think Taylor obviously becomes your lead back and whatnot, but in this offense, you need multiple backs. Um, now you're one injury away from Jonathan Taylor to be in a scramble mode 15 games ago in the season. The Colts have great depth. You know, one of the best depth running back charts probably in the NFL, but it's an offense that thrives better with two-back creativity that we saw, you know, use great screen game yesterday. Yeah. Great screen game. Uh, Mac was a heavy pass catcher, I thought, early on as well, which I you know didn't necessarily – or hasn't really been kind of his forte in the NFL. So um, what I worry about, Chris, is just I think Rivers needs a pretty good skill group to help him out. And you're starting to lose some skill talent. Yeah. You know, Burton for a couple of weeks. You know, now potentially Mac for the entire season. You got to be deep there. You got to be diverse. Uh, you know, is, is Taylor going to hold up for 16 games in the NFL? And, and I don't necessarily say like hold up, like physically, can he take it? Physically, can he take it? And can he produce yeah. at, at, at a very high level as well? Uh, that's a fair question to ask. And man, I know it just, that didn't look good. I know they said ankle first, but did you text me, Akili? I don't yeah. know. Somebody texted me. It was like that thing was wobbling a little bit. I have a couple of friends that work in the the athletic training world and immediately yeah. texted me, and I was like, are you sure? They're like, based on what I saw on that replay, that's my fear. Now, he obviously, you don't want to jump to conclusions, but. When he wasn't putting any pressure on it, it was like, yeah. oh, boy, that's that's um, that ain't good, and. You know, I know you've still produced to a degree as a rushing offense without Mac, but I want to say you're one in seven in Mac's career without him in the lineup. I mean, that's eight games. That's a decent sample size. That's half an NFL season. Yeah. So, you know, you draft Jonathan Taylor here for a reason, certainly, and and I liked a lot what I saw out of Taylor. There was some stuff that I felt like, you know, maybe more on the O line yesterday, but still. You know, is your play action game going to be as successful when it's Jordan Wilkins spelling Jonathan Taylor now and and maybe not, you know, Jonathan Taylor spelling Marlon Mack or something like that there and and then obviously individually. Boy, I mean, you got one big payday as a running back. One big yeah. payday. And we talked about it. Marlon Mack had an ability to cash in. He doesn't turn 25 until the first week of March 2021. So I mean, very young on a rookie contract. You've rattled off those running back names for agency wise, and now he's got an Achilles. You know, I mean, that's and some of those guys have been locked up here in the last week, right? As well. Right, right, right. You know, Cook and Mixon, you know, getting locked up. Um, man, just sucks. Absolutely sucks on on, on so many levels. So uh, we'll we'll see if we get the confirmation here today, and we'll we'll come back. You know, we'll have a kind of late Wednesday afternoon podcast. Uh, we'll have another one as well. Maybe we'll uh, touch on that more. Well, we hit on what we didn't like. Let's move to what we did like. The no huddle yesterday. That I, was something I loved that you it. circled. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. You know, I thought the Colts should be committed to their ground game early and kind of wear them down. Another avenue of wearing them down is go no huddle. Mm-hmm. Use that tempo and force them to substitute a lot. And they got in the whole no huddle. And I, I had a lot of people ask me, you know, man, that they're waiting on Taylor. They're waiting on Taylor. 
I think they just trust Hines in the no huddle a little bit more because, again, he's not a rookie. He has the pass-catching background, things like that. And, I mean, that was some flawless success with that no huddle. Um, so I really like that. And I like the screen game. I, re- I mean, that has been such an issue for this team. Mm-hmm. I thought your offensive line, while I didn't think they controlled the line of scrimmage enough for you with your running backs, them out in space, really nice job. Oh, yeah. Um, Taylor had the big, I think that was the biggest play of the game. What was that? 35. Yeah, 35 for Taylor. Um, Doyle, 28. That had to be the fourth and one when Doyle snuck out of there. So, yeah, I mean, huge. Because Taylor couldn't really get it going on the ground. But um, really good success in the screen game. So, I like, and some nice play action stuff as well. And, again, these are parts of the playbook that weren't there last season. No huddle, play action. You just never really tapped into that either. So, um, are we going to touch on the river stuff? I forget what I sent you. Yeah, just a couple players also that that stood out to you. Okay, yeah. Let's before I get into that, let's focus on what I liked about Rivers, and I guess Rivers in general right here. That's the Philip Rivers I think we all should be expecting to see this season. At times, masterful accuracy. I mean, I, I don't use that word lightly either. This dude threw forty six passes. Yeah, and was nearly eighty percent. The Paris Campbell deep ball to oh the, the, the left sideline. That was a great throw. I could and watch catch. That. I could watch that play endlessly. It was uh <laughs> that was just beautiful. Hang in the pocket, some pressure coming down. What a great throw. But that is literally honestly, that's probably what sums up Rivers. He throws the pick, I think, on the series before. Terrible decision. Thought the coverage was different, mm-hmm. miss misread, whatever. Throws the pick on third down. And the very next drive, no fear. Yep. I'll make this beautiful throw. You know, out, again, out of the slot. I think Campbell is out of the slot there. So, I think a couple things stand out to me about Rivers. First off, I get the expectation that everybody was expecting an MVP-type performance. What I saw from Phillip Rivers yesterday, hmm, okay. That's about middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the NFL. That's kind of where we've slotted him all mm-hmm. year long. So many people have asked me, what do you expect with Rivers? How much better is the passing going to be? I go, it can't get much worse. That was a better passing offense performance yesterday than the Colts saw last season. Two big picks. We'll get into those. You also threw for 360 and had nearly 80% completion percentage numbers. That is numbers you never sniffed. And never took a sack. Right, right. Never sniffed last season. Um, I don't fall in love. I'm not a worshiper of the pro football focus grades. I think I saw Rivers was eighth yesterday of all quarterbacks. I mean... I thought there was a lot of good with Rivers' performance, and I don't want to lose sight of that. Now, as far as the interceptions, the first one, I think it just, it's just—it's got to be a throwaway. It's got to be a, a point in that game of you've got a lead, you're playing from ahead, it's third and long, the chances of you converting that are a bit slim. Live to see another down. You know, trust your defense to a degree. The second pick, I, I really don't have that big of an issue with. I mean, you're you're down four. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you trust your defense to give you the ball back. He thought Campbell was going to cross the safety. Great play by that safety. Crazy hair, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know his name, but, um, that one I thought was more of, that's the arm strength rivers that comes out of, you, you can't get into those situations. You can't, 
the one of the biggest question marks we had about the River signing was his fourth quarter numbers were terrible last year. Whereas Brissett didn't really try to push the ball down the field in the fourth quarter. Rivers did. It's either losing the game via turnover on downs or losing the game via interception. Mm-hmm. What would you rather lose it as? No. So, right. I mean, obviously neither. But if you're going to pick the riskier guy or the guy that's not going to take chances, Rivers gave you a chance there. Um, now, he bounced back with that last drive. I mean, that last drive, you, you talk about stars not making plays. I mean, boy, two huge drops from from Hilton there. So, um now, people will bring up, though, that second interception that was called back because of the penalty that wasn't necessarily who he was even throwing the yeah, ball to. I don't to. know if it he saw the, the flag there or not. It, yeah, that is, I mean, that's that's a fair point. And, again, I am not, you know, whatever, absolving him no, from those no. interceptions by any means. Those were big plays, um, huge plays in the game. But I also don't – I felt like everyone just wrote Rivers off immediately, like, he sucks – Chargers fans are laughing, blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of like, that's who I thought he would be. I don't, not to channel Denny Green, but like, that's <laughs> kind of what I expected yeah. from Rivers. I never sat here and was like, top 10 quarterback in the league. And during training camp, what did I say? There's a few YOLO balls he's still going to throw. There's a few WTF balls that he's still going to throw. There's also great accuracy, great processing ability. And when he gets in that rhythm, and this offense gets going in the short intermediate passing game. I mean, how many times early on did they find Hilton on deep outs, Campbell on crossers? I think Pascal had a crosser as well. Um, you know, everyone wants to sign a grade. I, I C plus B minus. I mean, slightly above mm-hmm. average. I don't know. It, it's that the first pick. The first pick probably pisses me off more than the second one. If I were a Colts fan, of saying just. That's one where, again, you're giving them hope. Yeah. And that is the mental. That that was a mental. And with Rivers, you can't have that. The arm is not going to – I think we all saw it yesterday. A few throws that, oh, boy, is that ever going to get there outside the numbers? Like, we know the arm strength questions are there. We saw it yesterday. But I also am going to see – I think I looked it up after the game, Chris. At least 75% and at least 350 I think Luck did it once in his entire career. And I want to say Manny did it a handful of times here. Those type of games just don't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. So, again, let's not, you know, coals to the fire. Um, You just got to stay out of those situations. And some of that falls on Rivers. If he converts that throw to Doyle in the red zone or, you know, I guess a blanket chip field goal is hard to blame. But, you know, you you were 2 of 5 in the red zone. If you convert one of those, two of those, now you're not needing – the fourth quarter comeback like you needed there. So, um, yeah, that those are kind of my thoughts on Rivers. Other player, I mean, we mentioned Campbell. Anyone else stand out to you yesterday that, that had great game? For me, right out of the gate, Ashton Doolin, which you mentioned, this is why he's on the team, his special teams, gets you a great return right out of the gate. Campbell, a lot of speed guys. Loved what I saw from some players out there. I, I would, right there, you just hit the nail on the head, speed guys. Campbell, Doolin, and Hines. I thought Hines ran it. I know the fourth and one wasn't great, but it wasn't good at all. But I thought he broke some tackles in the run game, and he had to have been over four a carry, and that's never kind of his thing. Um, So, yeah, I I liked what Hines showed there. Obviously had the screen touchdown as well. Um, It was right at four. Yeah, I mean, I I 
those speed guys, Doolin, Campbell, and Hines, and obviously we've talked how much Campbell means to this offense. You know, I, I didn't love the whole flex, you know, at Miles Jack, 15-yard yeah. penalty. Come on now. And that's really – I don't – I I was surprised by that. I don't – Campbell doesn't strike me as that guy. Nelson knew it too right away. He's like, come on, man. Yeah, he knew it right away. Uh, how about Campbell out snapping Hilton? Mm-hmm. That shows you what they think of him. Yeah. Of And, again, Campbell's the guy you need on the field because he – makes the opposing defense scared. He does. I mean, he's one of your few guys that I think consistently does that. So I thought really good opener from Campbell. Again, Hines, boy, is his role about to increase. You you texted me yesterday. <laughs> so much for that. Over under five touchdowns yeah. in Naeem Hines bet. Whoever made that bet, whoever our listener is, uh, congrats on winning that as long as Hines stays healthy and but man, outside of that, man, when it, when I go to defense, I mean maybe Autry, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can't think of uh, I can't think of anybody else individually that I liked. Want to jump into Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right, this one's first one's from Brian. When Pagano was fired, one of the things is the lack of who has gotten better. Frank and Ballard have been there for a while. What player has gotten better? What adjustments did the Colts make in the Jag- Jags game? And why is kicker still an issue? So a couple there for you. Jeez, man. Preach on the kicker. I, I, I couldn't believe it. When he missed it, I just said. I think I uttered just some long cuss phrase. Uh, luckily, Rosie was napping, I believe, at that time. But I just was like, are we doing this again? Same Is this year. happening Brown again? Day, yeah. You know, the guy's got glasses. I wear glasses. I mean, come on now. Boy, Blankenship. Um. You know, I, I think there's some draft picks and some young guys that have developed. Kenny Moore would be atop that list. al Muhammad I'd put up there. I think Naeem Hines has developed from what we saw during that first preseason. Braden Smith, you know, Darius Leonard, obviously. So I'm not going to go all on that. Uh, but, you know, Chris, I, I try and I tweeted this article out again on Saturday because I wanted to remind people of this is the basis of the 2020 season. The Colts proving themselves without Andrew Luck. That's the whole basis of this season. Of and, and I, I don't even fall into the everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, the Colts had the luck excuse in 2017, 2019. I'm like, I guess, but those guys are telling me Jacoby Brissett's a top twenty quarterback, and yet they're twelve or eleven and twenty with Brissett under center. So I I mean I can't go all the way there. If you have a top 20 quarterback and you're nine games under 500 or, you know, I, I can't give you that excuse and just hand it to you. Um, we are evaluating Chris Bowden and Frank Reich with a very critical eye. That That's what you have to do right now with this football team. So uh, we're one game into the season. We are going to learn a lot mm-hmm. over these next four months, folks. But um, it, it's fair. You know, we had the question a few weeks ago. Why hasn't Bauer gotten a contract extension? I'm like, do we just hand out these extensions yeah. for you know? I, I I have I'm like, come on, people. So yeah, uh, we're gonna learn a lot, Brian. We're, we're yeah, we're gonna learn a lot. Rogers interested on your evaluation of Hooker for him as a sit on the couch football fan. He seems to play the deep ball and let nothing get behind him, but otherwise he didn't make much of an impact. Is that his job or is he just too cautious? I think it's kind of his role, you know. I, I really think that's a lot of what he's asked to do for this football team. You know, him and man coverage against Chenault, great design, 
great design by the Jags, and he was able to, and, you know, I think maybe, was it Houston was maybe on the bottom part of that zone? I don't know. Houston, I thought, was dropping into coverage. That might have been a different touchdown. I don't know, the three touchdowns. I'm trying to think of them. Cole had the one. Um, Shark, that was a great design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was Houston coverage there. Yeah, I mean, Hooker, I, I mean, think about this, Chris. This team preaches 40 takeaways in the offseason. I I can't remember one play yesterday they were close to taking the football away. No. Not one. No. I mean, 19 completions. I I can't think of one where I'm like, holy shit, what a great catch. That I thought Rocky Seen had that. I thought Anthony Walker had that. Or, man, that ball barely got over Darius Leonard's arms in the zone. It was way too that was Gardner Minshew, Washington State, seven on seven in the spring. Hell, it might have been eleven on zero at times for him. It's just too easy. Yep, way too easy. Simply. So again, Hooker. I guess can, can, getting back to that question, I want to see Hooker around more balls. But mm-hmm. I also sit here and I'm like, how much is that scheme? When Logan when Logan was watching, it seemed like most of the completions for Minshew came against the zone defense or busted coverage from Rose. Rhodes, is that an accurate account? Boy, Logan, I thought Rhodes, like I said earlier, I thought he looked like Antonio Cromartie out there. And, and I go back to an earlier point I made, how many times were hands in the air for these DBs after a play? That that cannot happen in this scheme. I thought it was more busted coverage than anything. I don't remember you know, how many times you just flat out got burned or were there and, and needed to make a play. You, you weren't close enough. To make a play. So, you know, late, late last season, when I have expressed so many concerns about this past defense, you know, people would counter with three things about December last year. Kenny Moore hurt. Poor communication because Kenny Moore is hurt. And then not enough from your defensive line. That will change with the force Buckner. Well, yesterday, Buckner's on the field. Yesterday, Kenny Moore's healthy. And from what everything we've heard, this defense was supposed to take some of the complexities it has and, and lessen that. Mm-hmm. That's something we heard from Jonathan Gannon, their their corner coach, of you know, saying, okay, the, you know, the communication stranglehold, I guess, isn't going to be as immense this season. And yet, I mean, the road's looking in the backfield. Boy, on that cold yeah. touchdown. Did you see and, but- Darius? Yeah. Yeah, his breakdown of that. He's like, your his eyes should not even be in the backfield. Yeah, Darius Butler for 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 those that missed it, just a great job on Twitter, um, on that. You know, T.J. Carey was in cover. I don't know why Carey played so much. Granted, you know, some people would say he should have played more with watching Rhodes. Um, yeah, I thought zone busted coverage both. I mean, it just sometimes the zone looks so bad. I think it's busted. You know, I mean, it's just there's so many gaps and just wide holes. I'm like, oh man. Craig wants to know what is the bigger concern, the defense, which was horribly, which was horrible, even with supposed upgrades of Buckner and Rhodes, and a secondary that looked confused all day long, or Rivers, who continued to throw untimely interceptions and probably has all of Charger Nation laughing at us. Yeah, Craig, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go defense for me. You know, it, it was um, you're playing the Jags. You know, you aren't playing the Chiefs mm-hmm. or what, wh- whoever here. Um, and 
it's yeah, I I I just I expected better out of that defensive line. I mean, Jacksonville had what over six yards per carry in the first half. I mean, that's again, that's the thing that you felt like you're supposed you know setting the edge and and this defense has got to be a good sound run unit to make sure that the third and twos, third and threes aren't the routine because you're willing to give up those third and twos, third and threes. That's what this defense allows, and. If you're allowing four, five, six yards per carry, you're never going to be, you know, forcing the offense to play behind yeah. the chains. You know, R- Rivers to me, it'll sound like a broken record, but that is who I thought Philip Rivers would be. It's, he, it was an improvement over Jacoby Brissett, but it still wasn't the quarterback play that you're going to need to, you know, do something in the month of January. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can boil it down to really. I mean, those were the two throws. I mean, he made. Ninety-five percent of Philip Rivers yesterday was really, really good. Yep. But those interceptions are extremely, extremely costly. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with defenses. Nineteen of twenty. How many? Ninety-five percent. It was Swiss cheese out there. That's what it was. We just read a stat in the morning show. I think four quarterbacks in NFL history have been above. I think it might be 95. I've been above 95%. Or maybe had one incompletion in a game. Maybe maybe that's it. It's Breeze, Rivers, Mariota, and Minshew. NFL history. Minshew and Breeze. Mm-hmm. Twice it's happened in the last four times the Colts have gone out and played football. The history of the freaking league. It's unbelievable. And two times it's happened to the Colts in a four-game stretch. <laughs> I mean. Holy hell. We got a question from Jacoby's burner account. If Mac is seriously injured, does it make does it make it more likely that he resigns with us? Of course you would never want that to happen to anybody, but in his opinion, he thinks if it's that bad, he will have minimum interest from an outside team. Did we did we get a Brissett question about that play? Do you remember seeing that or should we should we hit on that here? We have a yeah, we do. We do have one about the actual play. Yeah, Colts fan for life. Okay. How how about We'll wait. Okay. We'll wait. We'll wait. I, I just want to make sure that. that oh, that it's we, in there. That we could get there. Okay. Jacoby's burner. Uh, sorry. Get, get, give it to me re- real quick again. With Max injury, does that limit the interest from outside teams in the soft season? Yeah, boy, it's a harsh reality, but it's one way to look at it. I mean, we're talking Achilles. That's no joke. No. Uh, especially week one, you know. That is, um, I mean, running backs coming back from Achilles injuries, gosh, that's an off-season research project for me, but. That doesn't sound great at all, man. And yeah, it's uh, one big payday for mm-hmm. that NFL running back. And you know, I understood why the Colts didn't give him an extension in the off season. Like these are reasons why. Yeah. Sometimes this stuff happens with running back. Good for Dalvin Cook. Good for Joe Mixon. Um, yeah, I, it probably does improve. It, it probably does improve your your chance of bringing him back. Kevin, is Oliver crazy for thinking that the Colts' offensive line is pretty overrated? He feels like they have been living high off that no-sack streak back in 2018, but he doesn't feel like the run blocking is noteworthy most of the time. You know, Chris, I think this is a really fair question from Oliver. Um, It all comes down to how you assign your ranking for this Colts' offensive line. I think I've always kind of called it top three, top five. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, definitely the best offensive line of football. And after last season, 
I wrote an article that said the run game needs to take another step to be labeled as elite. Mm-hmm. Got some pushback from people on that. Last year, you faced three top ten run defenses. Saints, Bucks, Raiders. I want to say you averaged like 3.2 maybe in those three games. A couple of them I think were even under three yards per game. That's the next step for this unit. And, and to me, what was frustrating about yesterday, I mean, this Jacksonville run defense was 31st in the NFL last year. And they, they then they lost all the D linemen. Right. You know, especially in the interior. Guys opting out. Clayus Campbell's gone. It's, you know, guys getting traded and whatnot. I've wanted to always stress with this O-line this season, healthy and elite. Like, it's got to be in all caps. It's got to be both. And I didn't feel like y- you got that yesterday. I mean, what were your running backs? Hines, 7 for 28. Mm-hmm. That's four a pop. Mack, 4 for 26. Great, 6.5. And, and then Taylor, 9 for 22. Yep. So that's what, 24 78. Did I do that right? 76. 20 for 76. That's that's under four a carry from your running backs. I expected better against a Jacksonville defensive line in 90 degree heat. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very fair question, Oliver. Still a really good offensive line. We've seen them open up just huge running lanes and 200 yard outings and all of that. It's the consistency. It's something Ryan Kelly's talked about. We need to be more consistent as a rushing offense standpoint. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – and, and and we saw yesterday, man, when Taylor touches the football, there's a burst there. Yeah. There is a burst. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you don't need to give him much. You know, 2.4 carry for him is long run of nine. I'd be surprised if we see those type of numbers again from him, but – you need more from this old line because that, that's also how you're built. That's how yep. you built your football team. Yep. You built it around that unit. They've got to be elite for you. Question from Jonathan. Is this really is it really in the team's best interest to stick with something that is clearly not working, aka Eberflus and the D scheme, just for the sake of it? Colts could have made a statement from day one by letting him go. I laugh just because, I mean, it would be another wild, you know, storyline and, and me covering the Colts, firing the defensive coordinator after one game. But um, who asked that? Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, it's a fair question. I've, I've, we've talked about this before of Frank Reich's philosophical approach to football and Matt Eberflus's philosophical approach to football couldn't be more polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Frank is aggressive. I will dictate to you. We're going to be creative. We're going to disguise. We're going to, you know, gas pedal is on the floor. That's how Frank Wright coaches. And he's the head coach. The head coach. Before he's a play caller, he's the head football coach. And I have, I feel like at times Frank gives too much leeway to how that defense is ran of I'd like to see more accountability to that unit. We know that Matt Eberflus was a Chris Ballard hire. Ballard wanted this defense. Ballard's obsessed with it. I mean, Ballard said after last season, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the quote was something to the effect of like, teams can go dink and dunk 80 yards on us. I don't care. I'd rather not give up big plays. It's just like, why not try and take away both? Why, Why don't 
dictate like the offense is trying to mm-hmm. dictate. Be more aggressive. Um, disrupt timing. Not feel like the offense has to make a mistake for you to have success. That's how I feel like this this defense is built. So, you know, I want to try and have advantages via personnel and scheme. Not pray that one is going to get the job done because in a 16-game NFL season, it's very difficult to rely on one week in and week out. Um, it's just so un-Frank Reich-like. Yeah. And, and I think as a, as a head coach, there is a level of, res- of responsibility on Frank where, and this is not going to happen, and Eberflus is not getting fired. You know, nothing is crazy is going to happen like that. But... I just feel like Frank's got to have a conversation with a GM, with Eberflus, of why don't we be a little bit stickier, more aggressive, do some things that feel like our opponent maybe hasn't seen on film. I go back to that Kansas City game last year. You know, you played your most man coverage, I think it was, all season long. And then just that recipe never really was used Mm -hmm. again or certainly had the same effectiveness at all. So... Um, it, it's probably the most head-scratching aspect of how this Colts team is built. And part of it is because of the McDaniels fiasco. You have this defensive coordinator that was already handpicked for you as you were interviewing. And Frank, I mean, by all accounts, he likes this scheme. This was the defense that he initially coached in when he was, you know, first here in Indianapolis back in the mid-2000s. But I'm sorry, this is just... Um, it's it's disappointing mm-hmm. to to continue to see the ease that opposing quarterbacks have at completing passes against the Colts and how deep the zone looks are. You know, it'd be one thing if you set up your zone at one or two yards, you know, that first line of defense, yep. if you will. But um Yeah, it's yeah. I, you guys know where I where I stand on this. Tyler wants to know what's most alarming to you. The multiple stuffs on third and fourth down on offense or the inability to finish drives? The defense is obviously an issue, but can the offense get it together? Yeah, I think both. And I'm afraid, Tyler. Tyler, I do got to call you out. I think it was Tyler. I think Tyler tweeted at me after the first drive of the game that the Colts were going to the Super Bowl. No hyperbole, he said. (laughs) I wish I could find the quote. Um, Literally. He's like, I'm not overreacting to one drive either. So Tyler is clearly... Um, come down to earth a little bit since that tweet, but I I forgot what in-game Twitter was like. Oh, it, it's the greatest it roller coaster, roller coaster greatest roller coaster you'll ever be on, folks. Just hop on, strap. That's why I tweet. Buckle up, fourth quarter. <laughs> Remember when Rivers was signed? I go fourth quarters will be the most entertaining things you're gonna watch. Yep. Strap in, folks. It's gonna be a fun ride. Mm-hmm. It, it might not be uh, what you want week in and week out, but don't say there's no shortage of entertainment. And I told, so I'm watching with my roommates, and they're like, game's over. And I said, this is going to be typical Colts. We're going to hold them to a field goal here, and then we're going to have a two-minute drive, potentially tie it, or something crazy is going to happen towards the end of the game where we lose it. It's exactly what happened. And Rivers looked great on that final drive. Yeah. And it's Hilton, the guy you trust the most, mm-hmm. letting you down with those two drops. Um, all right, Tyler, it's probably the stuffs is the most. And they go hand-in-hand, hand. finishing drives and converting these right. third and fourth and shorts go hand-in-hand. Hand. But I go back to what I said earlier. You know, Nelson, Kelly, that whole entire offensive line unit, you pride yourself in short yardage. Got to be able to convert. 
John wants to know, uh, does the lack of tackling and practice lead to the poor defense we played? Xavier Rhodes looked terrible. Danico Autry played pretty good. I didn't think the tackling was that, that bad. Um, I saw homeboy, the undrafted kid, Robinson, great hurdle <laughs> late in that game. But I didn't, I don't know, I didn't see a ton of run after catch, yards after catch. What was their biggest play? 28 was Robinson. I, that might have been the hurdle. 22 was Cole in the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have any. Their longest run was 12. I mean. I feel like there was a lot of gang tackles that just happened to come after four right, to six yards right, right, right. out of a run. It was like, It wasn't like on. missed tackling. It was no one touches them for yeah. X amount of yards. So, yeah, I didn't think tackling was as big of an issue as I think you normally worry about round one. Here's or, an in- uh, Round one, week one. Here's an interesting one from Jordan. Since Zach Ertz and Philadelphia are having a tough time coming to a contract extension, would the Colts potentially be in play to trade for him? No, I don't think so. I mean, where are you fitting that contract in? I mean, I, I know you got some tight end questions, but, yeah, I probably think get younger, find a rookie contract tight end. All right, here's our Brissett question from Colts, fa- Colts fan for life. How about the use of Brissett? I felt it broadcasted Brissett was going to hold the ball, which is why they were immediately in his face. You know, I, I feel bad for Jacoby. I, I, I do, because, mm-hmm. like, you can see that play coming from a mile away. Yep. I mean, it's – it's. Um, I love Frank Reich's creativity. Everyone knows that. It just seems like this is too cute, too cute, too cool for school a little yep. bit here. Because you've put that on film now. And that, if I'm Mike Zimmer, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, hey, guys, if number seven's in the game, it'll be a read option. He might try and run. He can't run, so just tackle him. And uh, if he's under center, it's probably a QB sneak. Yeah. Like, I, that's, like, literally w- what the package is. So, I mean, if you watch the play, they try to run the quick little Jack Doyle in the flat. Jacksonville, beautiful job reading it. I mean, Jacksonville, for all their to- turmoil, I thought they were a pretty right. well-coached football team yesterday. They um, they switch. Instead of going, you know, man, and you follow your man, it was kind of a pick play. I don't know if it was Doyle and Pascal or who it was at the bottom of the screen, but they cover that up. And then Miles Jack just, I mean, yeah. r- a missile rocket right at Jacoby, and Jacoby's got no chance. It's just it was um so predictable. And uh yeah, I mean it's Quentin Nelson at fullback, it's Andrew Luck at white. It's just kinda like and I know there's a fine line with it all. You know, you watch Notre Dame fake a punt on Saturday and I'm like, Wow, that was beautiful, genius. And if they get stuffed, you're like, God, Brian Kelly's a dumbass. Right. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I know there's a very fine line with trick plays and creative stuff like that, but Rivers was in such a rhythm early on, too. I, I didn't want to take him off the field, you know? It seemed like your offense was moving it. You weren't looking for a spark or anything like that. It's just kind of like, let's go. It's just... Uh, it's like, well, I said this this offseason, so let's check this box right now. I to go know. Ahead and, like, <laughs> and I don't think Frank is like that. I think some coaches are like that. They're like, well, I kind of said it, so I've got to do it, and I've got to do it week one in the yeah. first half of week one. I don't... I know there's an element to again. You want to put it on film, so now a defense, a defense has to plan for that. But Minnesota's not wasting more than no. you know, thirty seconds of prep on that. So, gosh, just so predictable. Luckily, I think you score the next play. Hines, I think a Hines screen yes. is the next play. 
From Jason, what is your minimal acceptable level of team accomplishment for the season for it not to be considered a disappointment? You got to play meaningful football in January. Got to. Um, seven, you know, seven teams make the playoffs for mm-hmm. us. I mean, that's nearly half half a conference. So, yeah, play meaningful football in January. Andrew, who's a longtime listener, and also listened to the beers with Bowen the other day. Uh, thank you, Andrew. We might, uh, we might have one midseason, maybe, maybe some very preliminary talks on that, but uh, could have one during the bye week. His question is: After Buckner and Houston, who will have the most sacks this year from the D line with Teray missing at least six weeks? You know, if you would asked me before yesterday, I probably would have said Leonard, maybe Muhammad, but I mean Autry. Yeah. It's got to be. You know, I think he was credited honestly with two. I think he got one of those kind of garbage ones at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he had two. It was a good start. Which you know, yeah, he's not calling it garbage, but um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'll say Autry. Okay. Banigou barely played. Bobby Okariki barely played. I know the defense wasn't out there a whole lot, but uh, I tweeted yesterday. I was like, man, anybody else seen Bobby Okariki yet? What do you have? They have one tackle, I think, in like 18 snaps, something like that. Yeah, he had a tackle. Okay, uh, this is from Patrick. Is Jacob Eason just generally unliked by Chris Ballard? Every time Chris Ballard mentions him, he sounds like he's talking about his daughter's boyfriend who hangs around too much and annoys him to no end. Ballard legitimately seems agitated anytime he talks about Eason. <laughs> it, it's it's a pretty good analogy, honestly. Um, it does. Ballard does just they temper expectations so much with Eason. Um, yeah, it's I I think it's a couple of things. They, they they love Brissett. I don't think they want to like offend Jacoby to a degree. And then I also think there is a level of we can't let things get to Jacob Eason's head. You know, he was the Parade All American, the Gatorade Player of the Year, SEC freshman starter. You know, goes back to Washington, his hometown. You know, all those things. I I do think it's like a we don't want him to read the press press clipping sort of thing. So, you know, I, I I've always said it of like. I appreciate at times the candor we get from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, but you also need to make sure that we their actions will speak louder than their words. Of Now, last year it was, we have all the faith in Adam Vinatieri, and they continue to stick with Adam Vinatieri, and it was like, what in the world? Um, I'm trying to think of like another example where, you know, like Deion Kane, you know, it was... Their actions finally said, we're going to cut you, even though we don't necessarily need this roster spot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they they see some potential in Eason, mm-hmm. but there's no point in talking up a third-string quarterback to that extent. All right, a few more questions here, Kev. From JJ, Colts gave up 70%, 70% completions in both the past two seasons, which we talked about a couple different times and a couple questions from JJ. Think the worst in the league history today. Today, this question was obviously yesterday. Gave up 19 of 20 to Gardner Minshew. That's not 70 percent. That's 95 percent. Which is more likely? A. Eberflus, the Colts defensive defensive coordinator, gets fired before the season is over. B. Eberflus gets fired at the end of the season. Or C. Out of loyalty, Matt and Josh McDaniels. It seems like Matt keeps his job for at least another year. Yeah, I'd say probably C here. You know, um, I guess I kind of go back to what I said earlier, Chris, about, 
you know, there there's a level of of the head coach part of the title to Frank Reich where I think he needs to use that as a little bit more of I'm an authoritative figure here. I'm the leader of this football team. Everyone on the coaching staff falls under me. We need to make some tweaks. So uh, you, you don't need to be, you know, put on the headset and calling the defensive, you know, snaps or whatnot, but you might get one crack at this mm-hmm. of being a head coach. And I, and I think there's a nice opportunity here with cohesion and, and Chris Ballard and there's some really good pieces in place. And I do believe that. And, you know, Jim Mercy from an owner, I think is a pretty good owner in the NFL. Um, yeah, I just think there's a level of, of, of demanding it. So, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, who knows how to predict the next 15 games, but I do think they like this scheme. And if you're going to stick with it, I think there's got to be a kumbaya moment of, hey, we got we, we to gotta tweak some things. You know, it kind of goes back to the whole Nate McMillan thing. of You, you just can't get too stubborn. You can have your core philosophies, mm-hmm. but you've got to be willing to adapt, change, alter things. Coach week to week. Coach week to week. I mean, that's a big aspect of any professional sports league. This one comes from JP. He's wondering, without preseason games this year, what effect will that have on early season penalties normally worked out during the preseason? Um, Yeah. I mean, the Colts, what they have? They had 80 yards. They had a lot yesterday, but they only had, they had five penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not nothing crazy number. I thought the Jack Dollar crackback block, that one I was kind of like, yeah. what? I, I went back and watched that a few times. And to see Doyle that upset and the coaching staff that upset, I mean, clearly, I, I don't think that was a great call. But, you know, for the most part, I thought it was kind of a ho-hum. I mean, there are significant injuries both ways. But still, I thought uh, I thought it was just kind of a, you know, you, you worry about penalties, you worry about ball security, you worry about tackling week one. I didn't think it was an alarming 10 for 120 or anything like that. Going to switch it up real quick with a question from Francisco. How excited should us Spaniards be about John Rahm? Oh, I love John Rahm. Love his fire. We got the U.S. Open this week, Chris, from Wingfoot. Uh, Johnny Rahm, probably one of the favorites, easily one of the favorites. Great hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am love John Rahm. Aside from taking off and running, what are some weaknesses that you have seen from Philip Rivers compared to years past? That question comes from Jeff. How about him scrambling yesterday? Three yards, took 10 seconds to get the three yards. <laughs> it was uh, slow. I mean, obviously arm strength. Yeah. I mean, our arm strength would be the biggest thing, probably the biggest thing physically with him. It's just you watch those balls deep outside the numbers, and you're kind of like, ugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what you signed up for, Philip mm-hmm. Rivers. I cannot stress that enough, folks. Like, I don't. You know, people are like, if you take out, let's say you, uh, say you take out that that second interception, and somehow the Colts go down and score and win the game. I mean, that Philip Rivers stat line is all-pro caliber type of stat. I mean, that is a Offensive Player of the Week, potentially, mm-hmm. type of stat line. It is beautiful. So it's just one of those things where know what you're getting here. You're getting a guy that at times will look like a top-10 quarterback, and at times it's going to say, boy, that's a lot of turnovers for $25 million. 
and that's quarterbacks know, and he said it. He's like, you know, end of the day, the ball's in my hand. He said everything quarterbacks are supposed to say. He he did, he wasn't the only person that lost you that game. There were a lot of things that go. There are a lot of things that go into wins. There are a lot of things that go into losses. All said and done, played fairly over. Yeah, fairly and that's quarterbacks in the NFL. They get more of the blame, good or bad, each week. But I go back to what I said earlier. Stars didn't deliver for you. Brissett, or excuse me, Brissett. Rivers, Hilton, Nelson Kelly, Buckner Leonard, not enough. Not enough from them. Stan wants to know, outside of the multi-purpose tight end, what do you think is the most important skill position role in this offense? Not just wide receiver one, running back, et cetera, but what role slash skill set? Tom Pelissero just dropped the MRI has confirmed Marlon Mack torn Achilles. So I think that was the decision that or, um, that we thought, but being confirmed here. Let me let me fire off this uh, this tweet really fast. Oh yeah, man, torn Achilles just sucks. Just sucks. Jordan Wilkins definitely going to play a bigger role. Oh yeah, and now is that you? Do you go out and get a fourth running back? Yeah, I, I know they have one um, on the practice squad, but still, um, yeah, yeah. Hate okay. To see it. What's the uh, what's what's the question? Outside of the multi-purpose tight end, what do you think is the most important skill position role on this offense? Not just wide receiver one, running back, et cetera, but what role slash skill set? Um, I would say creating separation. You know, we, we talked about wide out screen separation. I mean, we talked about earlier Rivers' arm strength isn't this, you know, cannon by any means. So, um, yeah, I would say the ability to just make some plays post-catch would probably be the – Trait skill set. That's a great question. Stan, per usual, good to uh, good to see him back. Couple questions from Blopo. The first one he wants to talk about Justin Houston adapting to many things on the team, um, and the addition of Buckner. He thinks he'll have some f- some fewer snaps, but be more productive. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean Houston's going to play a lot early on with Kamoko Turry out for you know at least the first two months of the season. I actually thought I thought Buckner's best series yesterday was the first series. Um, after the half, he had a tackle for loss and then did a great job pushing back that pocket and Houston getting the sack. That's kind of where Buckner mm-hmm. will will make some hidden plays in there. So, um, yeah, you would like to see a little bit more individual production again. No, no balls batted down. You know, no hurries, no hits. But there are there's some hidden stuff that'll show up in the stat sheet as well that I think he deserves some credit for. But uh, yeah, I mean Houston. You're going to need Houston to continue to do what he did last year, stay healthy and 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 produce, because that was obviously the big question mark coming over to uh, coming over from Kansas City. You know, when the Colts traded for Buckner, obviously myself, like most fans, even though I, I knew knew of Buckner, knew how how good he was, I went back and watched film, some highlights. Yeah, seemed to always chase down the ball, and so to see him, see a guy of that size with that speed to go over whether Jacksonville liked it or not to hit Minshew out of bounds. Yeah. I was like, he covered a lot of ground there. Dude, for six, seven, three hundred he moves. Yeah. And that's where I'm thinking like, man, I feel like he's gonna make some plays in the second half where it's a tired offensive lineman he and he makes that, you know, big time sack, whatnot. So yeah, motor is probably his greatest quality, honestly, outside of just sheer physical stature, mm-hmm. six seven, three hundred. Um but yeah, I would uh, again. You've traded the thirteenth overall pick for him. You've given him a hundred million. You need more than just yeah, what you got from him yesterday. 
Um, Blopa's final question was an update on Rosie. Saw that you, you know, watched her first Notre Dame game with you this weekend. She did, yeah. A little sluggish for the Irish, maybe a lot sluggish. Uh, did not cover, but uh, I will gladly take a win. And I'm kind of like in college football. I'm kind of like, man, is it just like survive and advance this year? Yeah, I, think <laughs> I so. mean, it, it almost has that feel to it. But yeah, I um, I have allergies. They were brutal yesterday, and every time I sneeze, Rosie thinks that someone is breaking into the house. <laughs> I uh, when I was yelling during the Notre Dame game, I mean, I can't be doing that. So I'm just, I think it's got to be a loud ball. Yeah. <laughs> No, get him. You know, it's got to be more of those and less of, like, just outright vocal. So, um, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, Rosie Bow. I'm sorry. Apologies. But, hey, the Irish are 1-0. Survive till October, and then the schedule get, gets a little tough. That's right. From Eddie, who is the X factor on offense and the defensive side of the ball that will determine how far this team will go? I, I think we saw yesterday Campbell. Um, you know, he he is the difference maker for this offense, really, especially his usage. I mean, God, he played a ton, was targeted yeah. probably nearly 10 times. Defensively, I think you need some defensive linemen to emerge. I mean, I know I talked about it, about um, you know, some DBs to emerge, but I, I throw the D-line into that group. You know, I think you need some individuals to to step up for this team to to make that jump. All right, final Twitter question on this week's podcast comes from Wyatt, and it's COVID-related with all the adjustments that teams had to make, you know, preseason games, expanded practice squad, unlimited IR, which is three-week mandatory, more game day, roster flexibility, et cetera. What could you see the NFL adapting more permanently from this year's experience? For the record, Wyatt could live without the preseason games and really likes the IR rules and the flexibility they offer. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of flexibility roster-wise, and I don't know if a, a lot of fans realize how much there is. I, I don't, you know, I think you still need to play a couple preseason games. Okay. Obviously, owners want that, but, you know, the back end of the roster guys need it. Really, they, they, they really need it. What, did you see, 17 waiver claims this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such a low number. So, I think you at least need to play a couple. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe expanded practice squad makes sense. Uh, certainly some IR flexibility. They only need to be on IR for three weeks. Um, I kind of like the gamesmanship or the little bit of a management chess match stuff that you have to play. Um, so I'm not maybe all in on that stuff. But, yeah, I'll, I, I'll be intrigued to see how they handle it moving forward. Yeah, in the past, I was always jacked the first preseason game because you feel, oh, football's back. And then the, the, the remaining ones, other than, I guess, game three because your starters play a little more, it's like, eh. I didn't realize how much I missed preseason football until not having it this year. Yeah. At least from even just breaking down – who is where? What coach? I mean, watching the Dallas game last night, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. McCarthy's here. Like, right, right. You right, just right. forget. And, like, I mean, look at Jacob Eason. I mean, when will you ever give him game snaps? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the preseason's got to be used just for player development more than anything. So, yeah, maybe your frontline guys don't need to play it, but still. Um, you know, it was really good yesterday. It was at CJ Henderson, that DB yeah. corner, corner, Florida corner. Jeez. He'll be the next guy that's there for like two or three <laughs> yeah, years. Exactly. And he's like, all right, let's get out of here. Yeah, and go play for some team in L.A. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, is that, a, is that all of them? That's all of them. Cool. Um, Like I said, we'll come back late Wednesday afternoon with another pod. If you have any Twitter questions that I didn't answer or that you think I missed, just DM me or tweet at me or whatnot. Uh, we'll preview Vikings, a loser as well. Week one, two teams that I think a lot of people expect to be in the playoffs. Both looking for their first win on Sunday afternoon at the drum. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you late Wednesday.